So new Sunday sermon series, new teaching series this Sunday. Um, we've been thinking about we've been thinking about how the Bible came into being, how the Bible is relevant, how the Bible actually equips us for service here in the world, how it gets us to know Jesus more and more each day. The Bible is our our cornerstone, and what I thought we could do for the the next wee while, maybe the the summer months, is is dip into the Apostles' Creed, dipping into the Apostles' Creed because it's got some key declarations in there that the Apostles' Creed probably came as a summary of the Nicene Creed, which was 325 AD. And, and from, from that creed, there's, there's a whole lot going on. And we think probably about the fifth century in, in France is where the Apostles' Creed came into being. There was a kind of traditional story that each, each apostle actually wrote a part of the creed, but, but that was disproved. But basically, it's, it's, a, it's a condensed version of the creeds of the early church, and in it there is a declaration of what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do. And so I thought it might just be not only fun and interesting, because I, I quite like delving into these kind of things this way, but also that it equips us for life today in the world. Because that is, that is why we do sermons. That's why we do teaching from the front. It, it's not to blow me up. It's not to, you know, the people who's on the front to be up on a pedestal. It's so that we're all equipped to serve the Lord in the world where He is called each one of us at home and here in church, we're all wonderful. We're all different. We're all God's masterpiece. You and I are created wonderfully. You're fearfully made. God knows you inside of it, but you're totally different. Look to the person next to you. Just, just turn to someone next to you. Give them a smile if you've not got a mask on. If you've got a mask on, give them a, you know, give them a nod, give them a wink. You're allowed to wink. That, that, should be the new, that should be the new Christian greeting, that we wink. You know, I think that's the way to do it. Maybe not, maybe not. But, you know, as you look around and you see different faces from different ages and, and all sorts of areas, you're created in the image of God. You're wonderfully made, and you have a purpose. You and I have a purpose that no one else can bring to this world. And if you don't do it, no one will do it. And if you haven't found your purpose yet, take time. Study God's Word. Listen to His Spirit as He speaks, and walk in His ways. So anyway, the Apostles' Creed, that's where we're at. I believe in the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That is the first line of the creed. Wow. That's, that's laying it down. That's setting a marker. That's going where we're going. There was, a, there was a young chap. He had just started his own business. He'd rented this, this office, and he'd got this fancy desk, and, and he, was, he was a bit nervous 
and, and things were, were going on. And then this chap knocked on the door, and he didn't want to look as though he was doing nothing. So he picked up his phone, and he started talking loudly and proudly about what he was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've got to go, I've got to go. Someone's just come in. I'll, I'll, I'll catch you later. Bye. Hung up the phone. And the chap came in, and he said, yes, what can I do for you? He said, I'm here to connect the phone line. <laughs> Folks, we don't have to put on a mask. Well, we do. But we don't have to put on a mask mask. You know what I mean? You, you don't have to put on a front. You're allowed to be yourself. You're allowed to be yourself if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're joyful. Just be yourself. In this place, be yourself. I am a fan of science fiction. I am a fan of heavy metal. I'm a fan of football. These are kind of the things that I enjoy. I like peace and quiet. It's tricky sometimes in a, a house of three kids. Um, I, I, I like being on my own on occasions. And these things are, I think, are pretty straightforward for, for men in their late 40s. Similar likes, similar loves. I love my family, my wife, my kids. And this is probably similar to, to many other chaps around the world. But I think probably the one thing that, that would drive a wedge between me and some folks is that I thoroughly believe and live for Jesus Christ. And I believe that He's alive today. And I believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, He still speaks to us today. And I believe His Father created the universe. I believe that Jesus died for you, and He died for me. Because of this, I want to give my all for Him. I want to live for Him. I want to give everything, all that I have, all that I love, all that I want for Him. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know the horrors or the sadnesses that you've been through. But what I thought I would like to do this morning, and, and, and as we'll all be sharing in this teaching series over the next week while, how we can use the Apostles' Creed as our framework, how it gives us, how it gives us a framework to live our lives and to know what we believe. So here it is in full. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried, and descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Pete Gregg, when he was thinking about the Apostles' Creed, said these words, Every proclamation of the Creed, every line shows a miracle. To follow the Creed, you have to believe in miracles. In following Jesus, you're saying yes to the miracle that God loves you. In affirming the creed, you believe that not only is there more than this world, but the supernatural 
exists in this world, and the miraculous happened in Jesus' life, and the miraculous still happens in the lives of Jesus' followers. Amen? We believe in miracles. Even in the darkest of places, I believe. <laughs> I believe in miracles. I sound like Errol Brown there, didn't I? Hot chocolate. I believe in miracles. I'm not going to sing. But we believe. We wholeheartedly believe in miracles. God is at work. And sometimes a miracle is us putting our feet on the floor and getting out of bed each morning. But sometimes the miracle is someone being healed and raised from the dead. Now, I, I, I told you I like science fiction. One of my favorite books is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't know if you've ever read it, but Arthur Dent is the last human who's rescued from the earth because the Vogons are going to build an interspatial bypass. I don't know if you've ever read the book. That'll make no sense. But Arthur has a friend called Ford Prefect, and he is an alien who's been living on the earth, and <laughs> it's ridiculous. And what happens is just before the earth is destroyed, Arthur gets teleported up to a spaceship. And as he is in the spaceship, away to go to warp or light speed, Ford hands him a book, and it has these words on the front that says, don't panic. And that is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. There's a book within the book. I wish, I wish we printed this book with the words, don't panic on the front. Because when you delve into this book, you discover amazing things. Arthur, Arthur Dent, when he, receives, when he receives the book, he says, don't panic. Well, that's the nicest thing I've heard all day. Well, I really enjoy that book, but I don't live by that book. I live by this book, or I try to live by this book. And if it had the words, don't panic on the front, I think we would, we would actually be okay as we read it, because it all turns out well in the end. It all works out in the end. But before we get to the end, we go at the beginning. And if we begin at the beginning, which is what Genesis means, we read that God created the world in seven days. In fact, He created the world by His own means with no explanation of how he does it, apart from he speaks the word, and the universe, life, everything is formed. God speaks, and life begins. Now, that takes faith. It takes faith to say that there is a creator. It also takes faith to say that there is not a creator. There are many things that we can know when we look at it all, I think we struggle with the why. Why is all this here? We can discover, science can discover a lot of the how questions, but ultimately the question of why is there something and not nothing can't, I think, without faith be answered. I'm not sure we will ever find out until we pass this mortal coil. But my guess is, 
My guess why there is something and not nothing is because of love. The supreme act of love by God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I pictured David, you know, David the king who did the, did the stones with Goliath. I pictured David at the end of the day, sitting down after whatever he's been up to, and looking at the skies. Or maybe it's in the morning, he looks up at the skies, and he writes Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. He's looking and he's seeing the sun declaring how good God is. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens, makes its circuit to the other, and nothing is deprived of its warmth. The heavens declare the glory of God. And it is a miracle, isn't it? It's a miracle that the sun rises every day. And it's a miracle that it sets, and we just trust that it'll happen again in the morning. It's perfection. It's almost like it's designed. I don't know if you managed to see the eclipse this week. It was a bit cloudy where I was looking, but there was a, I think it was in The Guardian, there was, a, there was an expert excerpt from a journalist who said, I, I, I am a pretty atheist, but when I see the perfection of the moon passing in front of the sun and fitting so completely, I'm shaken in my atheism. And as Christians, we can declare that we believe that God has done this, that God has put it all together. I think it's just perfection that we are the exact distance from the sun to provide the correct amount of heat for life. Move a bit closer, we burn. Move a bit further away, we freeze. We're placed in the perfect position. We're held in that perfect position. Gravity is a, a mind-blowing thing. And then you, you think about the, the rain cycle. You know, uh, how does it work? I mean, you did this at school. You did this when you were wee. You all remember it. The rain falls. It goes to the ground. It then eventually works its way into waterways, and then by evaporation it rises, and then it begins again. And what is it we need for life? Well, that's right, it's water. So there's a perfect cycle within the… I could go on about this all day and bore you senseless, but it's the, the point being that I find it amazing that all of this fits together in such amazing ways. God is so good, it's indescribable. Now, if you want to go into the, the questions that you may have at home or in here about, well, what about evolution and Big Bang and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I actually don't have a problem with it, you know, because I don't know how God did it, but I believe that God did it. And if you wanted to do it in six days, perhaps you did. If you wanted to make it all look like it was millions of years old, maybe you did. But I believe that He is Creator. 
Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The problem is, however, that when people begin to delve into the Christian faith, it's often creation is the place that people stumble. They can, they can deal with Jesus. They can, they can believe that Jesus does these things. But it seems to be that the opening account of Genesis, which could say so many things, seems to trip them up. And my advice is that the Bible is not a scientific manual, but neither is it a fairy story full of myths. I believe that it is God-breathed, written by humanity, guided by God, and it has spoken to people throughout the centuries. And if you think about it, if, 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 <laughs> if God had downloaded his his plan as blueprint for creation with evolution and Big Bang Theory, if that was what he used, and if he had done that, you know, 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, people would be like, what? It would never have made it in here. But God in his wisdom gave us his creation in a way that we would understand and put our trust in. You see, I believe God created this world. I believe that he is still involved in this world. And I believe that our world is special. I think it may even be unique. But I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And I believe that that began when he formed this world. And I believe that he continues to do this, do this in his work in the world. And I believe that miracles happen. I believe in miracles. But I believe that this is not only for me, not only for you, I think it changes the world when we recognize what God is doing and has done for us. This truth is a game changer. This changes everything. It's a life turned on its head kind of deal. And what is it? Well, if we believe that God created this world, it follows, I think, to know that someone loves you that someone created this world for you and that someone would die for you. Jesus gave his life for you. A wee riddle for you. You may know this one. What is stronger than God? More evil than the devil? Poor people have it. Rich people don't need it. And if you eat it, you'll die. The answer is nothing. Nothing is stronger than God. Nothing is more evil than the devil. Poor people have it. Rich people don't need it, allegedly. And if you eat it, you'll die. Answer is nothing. Our creed, an apostle's creed, doesn't just say that we believe that God is the maker of heaven and earth. It also says that he is Father Almighty that he is your heavenly father, but also that he is powerful. Now, not everyone has a, a great relationship with their father, earthly father. I have, a, I have a pretty good one with my dad. Me and my dad, we go on pretty well. But we, we've had our run-ins in the past. When he taught me how to learn to drive a car, 
I've never fought with him as much as then. It was, it was, it was not pretty. But growing up, you know, I was a, a, a typical boy, and there was many occasions where I stepped over the, the line. And my dad would tell me when I stepped over the line. And I remember one time he said to me after one particular incident, if you want to continue to live in my house, you need to live by my rules. And I never forget, I left the next day. No, I didn't. <laughs> I stuck in there. I stuck in there. But he showed me that tough love, that tough discipline that I needed. And I, I wonder if we're ready for God to move in our lives as Heavenly Father to give us that bit of discipline, as He is Almighty. So what am I saying? Am I saying that when you need it, God will sort you out and tell you to follow the rules or, or get out of the house? No, I don't think so. But I think what God will do is meet you where you have a need, and He will use all His, to all his tools to bring about what He wants and to meet your needs. He is sovereign, and He knows how to bring you to the place where you need to be, and He will call you to follow Him. Now, my dad knew what I needed at that time. I've since become a dad, and I know what my kids need too. Often, however, it's not what they want. I'm still learning all this, but I think in our relationship with God our Father, He gives us what we need and not, oft, not always what we want. What do I need? I need to know Jesus better. I need to let other people know about Jesus. I need to walk with Him every day to forget the distractions and be disciplined in the areas where I'm weak, to receive direction, to keep my eyes on Him. And sometimes, sometimes I need Him to do a hard work in me to shape and form me to what He wants me to be. I'm not there yet. Thank God I'm not where I was. I'm not where I was. And I'm betting, not that I'm a betting man, I'm guessing that you're not there yet, but you're not where you once was. God is your heavenly Father. He loves you like no earthly father ever could. And He will discipline you because He loves you. He will give you what you need, maybe different from what you want. And through the work of the Spirit, sanctifying us, bringing us into alignment, we will recognize the power of God at work in us. It's one of the greatest signs that God is continuing to work in you, that He has not let you go, that He is building the kingdom through your life. And the greatest proof of God is the changed life. Just look at Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. Michelangelo, the, the famous artist, not the turtle, Michelangelo was also a sculptor, and he was at work on a, a piece 
And a visitor who had visited him maybe six months before came in and went, you've not done anything since the last time I saw you. I don't know what accent he used, but it probably wasn't my accent. But he said, I have been working nonstop. And you don't see it because I've been working in the mere trifles. And he went, ah, that's mere trifles. There's, There's nothing making a difference there. And then Michelangelo allegedly said these words, trifles make perfection, and perfection is no trifle. Or as an Ethiopian proverb puts it, when spider's webs unite, they can tie up a lion. God wants to lead you in perfection, but he may just be doing small, small works, mere trifles, that are leading you forward. But of course, in all of this, it all depends on you if you want to be more like Jesus. Because he's not going to force his way in. He's going to wait for your invitation to do a work in you. But as you keep asking, God keeps molding. God keeps working. We live by his rules in love and obedience. We keep the string We keep tethered to the hand as we walk in this world. I believe in God Almighty, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Ask him in, folks. Ask him in every day. Invite him in. He's standing at the door. He is standing at the door and knocking. He wants to come in with us. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, where it all works out in the end. Revelation 3, verse 20 says these words. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, be in relationship with that person, and they with me. Open the door, let him in, and invite others to open the door to him too.